On today's podcast, we're diving headfirst into the absurd and surreal world of the Amazon television series, I'm a Virgo. Created by Boots Riley and starring Jarell Jerome, this supernatural comedy has certainly caught critics' attention. In our discussion, we'll be dissecting the pilot episode titled You a Big Motherfucker, where we meet Cootie, a towering 13-foot black teen who's been sheltered from the outside world until his curiosity and desire to become a hero get the better of him. Without further ado, it's June 26th. Welcome to today's episode. So when I first started doing research for I'm a Virgo, I thought to myself, well, what does this have to do with the Zodiac symbols? And I found out really soon, absolutely nothing. In fact, that's kind of the point, right? Yeah. You're not supposed to think, here's a 13 foot tall black teen. What exactly is going on with this horoscope? When I first heard the name for this show, I thought it was going to be some type of gossip girl, like free form TV show, some type of teen drama. Mm-hmm. And I was uh, right it away. Com- it is a coming of age it is a coming of age. Yeah, but not in the same way that a lot of these coming of age shows have. It's a supernatural, anti-capitalist, coming of age, absurdist comedy with, again, a 13-foot black man in Oakland. Yeah, I know. And I, I think that it's a lot like, sorry to bother you, Boots Riley's other projects. Yes. I mean, I know that So he, you recognized him immediately. I It wasn't surprising to see his name show up there. And why he is that? He seems like an auteur in his craft. And I did look up if I'm a Virgo because it does seem like it was a comic book of some kind. <laughs> that's what that's what the show felt like. But when I looked it up on Google, I, I think this is like his own creation, right? Because it, he, Absolutely. He cr- created it. He wrote it. He directed it. Very similar to Sorry to Bother Yeah. You. Yes. Is that the only other thing he's done? Okay, really? so Sorry to do you, you know do you know who Boots Riley is like besides aside his, from that his no. filmography? Um, well, he's a self-identified communist activist. Mm-hmm. That's kind of his claim to fame to start with, because he even went on to I think Bill Maher in the early two thousands, um, right after like nine eleven, and made that statement. And then Bill Maher was like, "Well, how much do you get for your uh, records?" Because he's actually the front man for the Coop, which was a hip hop band in the nineties, and it still exists. I think he still does work with it. In fact. Um, Sorry to Bother You was an album that he created, but Bill Maher went after him and he was like, how can you be a communist and still accept money so for your how, records? How, how long yeah. has Booz Riley been in the business for? Oh, it, it it depends on what you mean by the business. Like, again, well, I, his like, musical career has been for decades. His his television and movie career has been more for like the last 15 years. What else has he done? Well, Sorry for, to Bother You is, yeah. is his real like big, like it was his real break into the industry. And obviously, I, I actually have a game here for, for that movie. Okay because of how big it was. How did you like it? I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. Yeah. You like Sorry to Bother You? Yeah, Why? I gave it like an 8 it? out of 10. Uh, it was very different. I remember <laughs> it, like yeah. the, the way that like twist that happens midway through and then how it just escalates from there. Yeah, we won't give away the ending Crazy. right now in case yeah. anybody hasn't seen it. But uh, Sorry to Bother You, there's four facts here. One of them is made up. Ready? Okay. See so if you can figure it out. Um, three endings were shot not to prevent leaks from uh, going viral, but because Boots Riley had three different visions in mind. Uh, that sounds 100% well, Again, this true. isn't a true and false. This is I basically... Know, I all know. right. Uh, Donald Glover was supposed to be the main character, but due to scheduling conflicts, he recommended his Atlanta co-star, Lakeith Stanfield. Okay, that also sounds true. He was inspired so much by this director, um, Michelle Gondry, who's done Eternal Sunshine, uh, Kidding, that show, The Green Hornet, Moon Indigo, but he's done like cartooning and stuff. And so he wanted to pay homage to this guy, but it ended up starting a beef because when he asked to use his name for it, <laughs> he originally got accepted. Like the guy said, okay. 
uh, with conditions, and he met those conditions, but then the lawyer team got a hold of him and said, no, you can't use it. So he changed it from uh, Michelle or Mikel uh, Gondry to Mikel Dongri, and he made a point of telling Mikel Dongri <laughs> that he was going to continue in everything that he did in the future to insult him. <laughs> Because <laughs> um, he was, I guess, so burnt over that. And then the last one is that it was filmed, sorry to bother you, it was filmed concurrently in Oakland with Blind Spotting. Uh, I'm going to go with the last one. Filmed concurrently with Blind Spotting is the fake one, right? Is 100% true. Wait, concurrent? Wait, so Boost Riley. Because worked? they both took place in Oakland. No, they were just filmed concurrently at oh, the same, at time, the same in time in Oakland. Okay. Yes. Not, so, he didn't work on it. Yeah. So then, I mean, I, the third one, you had so much fact about it. I feel like that one yeah, has it, to be true. Yeah, it is true. true. That one's true. So then the, it's the Donald Glover one, right? Nope. The Donald Glover, the first one was actually the false fact, which he didn't shoot three endings. It was oh. it was literally just the way it was. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, no, I'm glad I tripped, tripped you up. Uh, so the magical realism element of Sorry to Bother You seems to play a big role in this. Because if you think about tall people... Um, think about like even She-Hulk, right? She yeah. was represented as like a huge person. They needed to get like some, um, like I, I think a wrestler to play her, like as her stunt double or yeah. something, or, or the person that they used as her CGI. That person was six foot seven. So, so, so compared to this, which is almost so double, double the, the size. Yeah, yeah. So you got 13 feet. How did it look? I thought that they there were some times where you could tell the shots that they were using how it was done because you had characters. Oh, it's forced perspective. Like, yeah, yeah, from like back and it's then big it's fish forced perspective. And then also there was a lot of like down or uh, upward camera angles mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. make it seem like he was bigger than he actually was. But, but did that take you out of it or no, was that? No, I mean like uh, that. It seemed like he, he you believed that this man was like thirteen feet tall. Okay, and he was like nineteen years old as you were saying. He's tired of the restraint that his parents hold on him. This show throws you right into the action because right away we have people running around uh you learn later on that uh the first scene they were at a hospital we see martise who is uh really cootie's uncle Uh more like a father figure yeah Okay, so that was him. Yeah, from I the was trying to figure out. Yeah, I was trying to figure out because uh, I was like, I, I knew I had seen him from someplace before. Mm-hmm. And actually, he was also playing sort of a father uncle character in the Upshaws. So here he's playing. Is he also playing the uncle here? Yeah. So no, he's, he's playing the uncle in both shows. Yeah. Interesting. But he's completely different. If yeah. I remember in the Upshaws, he's kind of supposed to be like the fun loving uncle. Well, the slacker, but I'm talking about like with how his kids see him, the fun loving uncle. And this one is supposed to be like he a good guy. He is supposed guy to be a hard ass in this oh one. so he's like red foreman yeah from that 70s well show. yeah yeah because la francine this is the first shot of the show she's holding this ginormous baby yeah. and they're looking at something and you're not really supposed to know what it is and we see martise leave la francine's side mm-hmm. and it, like that's so i was like was he upset with her or was he just like there was just so much mystery because he's not even looking at her at the time he's looking at whatever is off screen yeah and then they leave do they explain how the baby was born Born? Well, this is what I think happened like, because what I think what it was doing was the first scene is supposed to be the mom, and because and the mom because was so big, big was, yeah. yeah, because the baby is crying but also bloody because of how big it was. Yeah, the mom ended up dying. And I think that's why Martise, who is the mom's brother, has a grudge against. 
Well, has a grudge against Cooney, but I think I think more specifically in that first scene, that's why he leaves the side because everyone is in a state of shock. No, that's I get why it. nurses are running around and everything. So, sure, sure. So, but we're not supposed to know that yet. That's just the first scene of the show. They decide to bring the baby home, and then there's a quick montage where uh, they're just trying to teach the baby kind of everything. They're not laying him outside mm-hmm, at all. Mm-hmm. But, like, we see him dancing around and kind of getting older. But even even then, you can kind of figure out, right, that this is going to be an outcast. And that's what they're trying to stop mm-hmm. is from that that baby from, like, almost like the Benjamin Button universe or Jack, that Robin Williams film where, like, a, the guy ages at an extremely yes. fast rate. Or Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, where <laughs> there's something wrong with this reindeer. But, like, it's going to end up being an advantage later on. But at first, maybe kids would bully him. I don't know I, how I you think, would bully someone so I big. I think that Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer is probably more spe- uh, like more correct yeah. than the other ones. Just because, like, Marquise is literally having to paint the house yellow. And wherever it's yellow is where Cootie, because of how big he's growing, sure. can, can, like, actually stand and stay. But if he, but he's breaking walls throughout the first, like, ten minutes of this thing. Uh-huh. Just because of how big he is. No, I, I understand that. So before we jump to him being 19 feet tall, do they explain how he gets his clothes? How he gets his clothes? Because like once you're just, yeah, once you're, sorry, 13 feet tall, not 19 feet tall. He's 19 years <laughs> He's old. He's 19 years but old. But like yeah. once he gets to 13 feet, those have to be custom made, right? Like, and how do they afford that? Is, are they rich? Or like... You probably think so. No, I wouldn't say, well, it's, it's, it's kind of up for debate because I would say that they aren't rich, but there is a point where like 10 minutes in when Cootie is 19 years old and he's just literally breaking everything in the house, they decide to build a whole new house for him. In fact, that shot where they're building the house, LaFrance scene and Martise was the most sorry to bother you that it got. It reminded me a lot of in Sorry to Bother You when you see uh, Lakeith Stanfield's kind of rise. Mm-hmm. You see lamps break and a bigger lamp come out of it. Yeah, you remember and, the movie better than I do. In this scene, you saw the house, they're doing the groundwork, but in the background, the house is being made. Yes. Like, so that's so it kind of was like a artistic. similar type of artistic thing. That's what mm-hmm. I mean by he, him being an auteur. The way this thing is shot and the way that they were able to do things, I thought, was really uh, well done. Okay, so he he ages up to being 19 years old, living mm-hmm. in this house. That's got to feel secluded and also very. Um, if you're if you're so tall, you have to feel very uh, suffocated. The house they were making. Yes. He, he. That's just his house. Like they literally have two different houses. This house that they made for him. Wow. It's just yeah. So you can imagine how. And he tall doesn't have gigantism. They don't try to explain no. away his his thing because technically well, then he could be a basketball player, that's, right? That's debatable because midway through the episode they say that once in a generation a giant is always made. That's mm. the difference from this world a to Hagrid. ours yeah and, and and that's why they want to keep him kind of inside this house and don't want to let him out they say once he turns 21 he can kind of do whatever he wants but they want to keep him inside because they've learned and they even have newspaper clippings throughout the years that whenever people know that there's a giant like uh whether it's in new york or iowa they always end up dying because people for some reason don't really understand it's kind of like a circus thing they put the people's stop and stare and someone attacks it. I don't know, but yeah, go ahead. So does he meet other giants? Yes. No, I, I he's the only giant that we see in the episode, but that was the interesting part is that actually there's a ton of different people, I assume in this show, that have powers because a big part of this episode is him wanting to get these things called Big Bang Burners. Okay. Like Big he, Bang Burners. No, Big Bang Burn. Sorry. 
Bing Bang Burgers. Bing Bang Burgers. Oh, food. Yes. Like, he really, really wants to have Bing these bang. things. And his and, parents. And Marquise is just completely against it. He literally calls it poison, saying how he's never had them before, and he doesn't want Cootie to have them. And he's also saying that La Francine has never had them. He does not this want This is supposed Cootie to be, like I said, burgers. anti-capitalist. So maybe this is, like, anti-McDonald's? Well, that's an interesting way to look at it, because in the next scene, right after he has this argument with his parents about why he can't have these burgers, <laughs> yeah. like, it's the daytime, and there's someone who is living in kind of one of those really high-rise houses. So he's able to actually see Cootie and see how tall he is. Sure. He goes over and starts talking to Cootie and is like, yeah, your father and I used to have these bing-bang burgers all the time. Like, we would rip it up. And, <laughs> okay. and so that kind of leads Cootie to uh, really just want to get out of this area. He's 19. He doesn't want to wait until he's 21. And uh, this is where the show, I thought, kind of had some tonal inconsistencies. Because... There's a lot of swearing in the show, which is fine, but also at times it felt like it was yeah, also I trying mean, to be again, like a, a family show. The title of the show is based off the what the Pulp Fiction Samuel Jackson. Yeah, had, right. But the thing, but, you a big motherfucker. But there's times even when like he dresses up as a giant tree and starts walking out. No, and it was it, it seemed <laughs> like it was supposed to kind of be almost child friendly, but then he meets uh, four different people. One of them played by the, uh, my favorite character on On My Block. You're I'm talking about to... Brett Gray? He plays Felix in the show? Yeah, he is so much older now. No. Like, I don't feel Jamal like... was a really cool character on On My Block. The first few seasons. The last season on, of On My Block, I remember we watched the like the first episode yeah. of that, and it just was awful. Well, I don't know if the season got better, but that, that it, they changed the characters so much. The thing is, is that I think he was like in his early 20s when he was doing the first few seasons of On My Block. Yeah. Now, I, I, I think he's playing a teenager here. Here, oh. but he still seems so much older like it's obvious i don't think he can really ever go back to playing those, those type of characters again hmm. okay um but yeah they're like smoking weed and everything but like i said majority of this episode is him trying to get bing bang burgers bing so, bang burgers so it's just like i it was so odd trying to figure out who this show was kind of trying to be for was it trying to be a family show or was it trying to like uh like scope in everything bring into like a bigger so, audience so cootie escapes his house he goes to get the burger but he runs into this group of other kids. Is that well, what you're I saying? think that like at the very beginning, this is like 20 minutes in or so. He was just wanting to leave to see kind of what the world was like. Yeah. In that way, it was a little bit like Room, the Brie Larson film. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, the well, kids... that's that's a drastic comparison. Given that, like, yeah. He... Obviously, the situations are different, but here it's No, like, I mean, like, one is a thing about, a, what, a five-year-old who's been kidnapped and his mom who's been raped in But a it's house, supposed like, to be that way. Like, Cootie is supposed to be seeing trapped? the world for the first time. That's how we're supposed to feel. He, he literally is just allowed so to stay very in innocent. his house. Yes, yes, I understand that, yeah. So, and, and it turns out that the kids, uh, the four of them, Felix, Scat, and Jones, uh, including Cootie, I should say. that That's what I mean by four. Yeah. They end up figuring Scat, out... the person who plays... Uh, uh, alias Barnes um, has been in like a ton of stuff, but just not as a main character. Cruel Summer, Unbelievable, Snowfall, Pen Fifteen, and then who'd you say the other one was? Uh, because Jones. it's Felix, and then Jones, mostly theater stuff. Kara Young, okay. yes. But yeah, yeah, go ahead. They figure out where Cootie is living, and then one night they just decide to all go out. Mm-hmm. So they're literally doing things that are just crazy. They're doing donuts in the parking lot. Okay, like how a- does Cootie fit in the car? Well, he's actually sitting on the back trunk. 
Like, he is so obviously exposed. This is against Martise and LaFrancine's wishes yeah. entirely. Sure, but he's and, just having fun. And one plot point I haven't mentioned yet is Walton Goggins makes an appearance. Well, you did mention superheroes and yeah. powers, but you didn't mention him, no. And he plays Jay Whittle called The Hero? The Hero. So Jay Whittle, I guess, was making these comic books that Cootie was given kind of in the first few scenes. And that reminded me of American Born Chinese because this guy was a little obsessed with superheroes and that guy was a little well, obsessed with anime this guy is also crazy there's a scene very early on where cootie when he's like very young and his parents or his parent father parent yeah, figures, I, I it, yeah. they're watching this tv screen uh-huh. and uh and jay whittle is that his name again? yes jay whittle. yeah he's having this interview and randomly out of nowhere he talks about law and order and how people should not feel like they have a gun pressed against their head and he pulls out an actual gun oh, and he style. starts pressing it i thought that the shot was going to go off I thought the show was going to go in a really dark place, but no, he ends up putting it down. But you could see that this guy is not mentally stable. I thought that from what I was reading, at least, that uh, Cootie took that interview and kind of embraced it, that he that's, really liked yes. it. Yes. I mean, that's kind he of the last He wants to be a hero. See. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's almost exactly like it. And he really likes attention, especially positive attention. Does, does he meet Walton Goggins' character? Not in the first episode. Sure. But when they're doing donuts in the parking lot, Cootie is able to lift the car up and mm-hmm. tilt so as the car is doing these donuts it's at an angle and yeah. people are really starting to enjoy him it goes so it's so big that it goes viral on social media and that's when Marquise and LaFrancine kind of have the talk with him inside his house so they find out yes and that's and that's when they tell him about the giants and how it's once in a generation and people aren't going to enjoy him uh, if they're, they're going to try and kill him and that the, <laughs> okay. they're the only people that he can trust mm-hmm. so in that way whenever I was able to see Cootie kind kind of have these uh like scenes with his parental figures or the scenes where he was able to use his powers there's like a ton of scenes where he's just using these cars as like weights for Sorry. the gym yeah but have have you met Flora yet Flora shows up at the very end. So he goes to finally get these Bing Bang burgers. Sure. He, oh, so that's the fast food place. He doesn't, he yeah, he just, he doesn't care anymore. He just wants to have them. It's and like we, his White Castle. And that's how we know that there's so many different superpowers in this show because Flora, at superhuman speed, literally so fast, you can't see her arms like putting she, these burgers in can containers oh, okay. and so everything. She's not really a superhero. This is kind of just in his head. Maybe. I, I thought it was supposed to be that she is actually Remains that to be seen. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And and uh and she gives him these burgers and I think that's really the only scene we get with him because he eats the burgers and he ends up uh anti McDonald's. He doesn't like them. Nor- like this whole entire thing he's been trying to do this whole episode and he eats them and, and like everyone in the car is like, These are good, Cootie, right? And he's like, No, these are absolutely terrible. It's like that peer pressure element and then when you finally like reach it and then you're just like, Wait, and you can admit to yourself that yeah, it's not worth it. It, it it's interesting because uh I I thought that there was was going to be a sex scene in the first uh, and we normally wouldn't talk about future episodes but there's been so much made about this sex scene between flora and cootie mm-hmm. um and it's been compared to the idol in oh, a positive wow. way in a positive way saying, yeah, is there they're anything like, positive about they're basically the saying sam levinson take note this is how you do a real sex scene and like experimental but also like weird like cool stuff and st- i don't know but that's actually denzel's uh, daughter 
Denzel That's Washington. Denzel's daughter. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Olivia Washington, Denzel Washington's yeah, daughter. Yeah, because Flora is kind of uh, flirting with Cootie uh-huh. because what happened was before Cootie was really known to the public, Felix made a video mm-hmm. talking about how he's releasing merch because he was the first one to kind of figure out who Cootie was because Cootie again was dressed in a tree and while Felix was about to take a piss on him, the tree kept on moving well, backwards. Yeah, okay, so, I got you. So that's so, so people are like buying shirts and that's how they're kind of supporting him. Mm-hmm. Um, by the very end end of the episode he goes to a dance club he doesn't know how to like uh, pick up any woman at all he ends up like not even being able he really embarrasses he's himself. already tough because of how tall he is yeah but, like how would you even go well, about dancing without hurting people he's not dancing at all he's just sitting next to the speakers one thing we know about him is he really loves vibrations when the car is driving he's like putting his head up against the trunk when uh-huh. the, the the big speakers are going off in this dance club he's putting his head against it, it i wasn't sure what they were really trying to do there maybe it was foreshadowing for something we haven't seen yet okay but by the end of the episode we learned that this uh jay whittle character actually is a hero we see someone flying up midway through the episode <laughs> that must have been him uh, mm-hmm. because i think he was playing some type of cop character as well yeah and then it's probably the stupidest twist i really hated this was we learned that the parents are actually evil. At least it seemed like that's what they were doing because they like open up this secret chamber and there's huge guns that they have and they're talking about how uh, the time is now or whatever because Cootie is being shown on like TV and everything. So you took that to mean that they're going to try to kill Cootie? That's what I thought that the show was making it seem like. Either kill Cootie or just that they were evil and like they're un- unlatching From some plan. From everything that you said though, it sounded like they were trying to prepare Cootie for the worst in case people found out. So maybe they're just trying to get ready in well, case people go after Cootie. There's so many times in the episode that Marquise and Lafrancine are talking to him and saying, we're the only people you can trust. Like, you so can't you just trust anybody to, else. You think that this is going to be sort of like an Invincible situation? Yes, and Invincible is one of the things I compared it to. Also, I, th- I feel like whenever you talk about Invincible, you have to talk about the boys on my block. Well, the boys have like the heroes being evil. So yes. is there a chance that Walton Goggins is evil? I think well, I, I, I don't know because, again, he's supposed to be a cop and we already saw how mentally unstable he is, but we haven't seen, I feel like, enough of him to get a good judgment on it. He might be an anti-hero or like one of those kind of in-betweeners. The scene yeah. with him with the gun in the interview was almost so surreal. It reminded me of sometimes Mr. Robot where it just randomly goes yeah. into a ton of bizarre thoughts. we go into Elliot's head too yes. much? Yeah. yeah. And then also, sorry to bother you, the weird quirk that this show has. The quirkiness that it has? Yeah. The only other shows that, like, some people have compared it to Mrs. Davis and Atlanta, Black Mirror, and Lovecraft Country. All those, yeah, because, again, it's dealing with race, but I don't feel like, and it, race is the central issue in this show, but it's not doing it in a ham-fisted, direct way. It's trying to kind of uh, be subtle about it. Some of those dealt with race. Some of them are just, like, weird in general, like, their tone, and, and it's very absurd, yeah. but it's also, like, magical realism, as I pointed out before. Did you get anything that reminded you of beef, though? Because to me, for some reason... Okay, so the reason I bring that up is, again, Stephen Ewing connection there. But also because, like, what happens in Beef feels somewhat realistic 
but yeah. also like completely impossible, At right? At the same time, yeah. Yeah, so in a way, this this kind of fits that mold, right? Like, mm, I saw just this too, more too just, much superhero stuff? I saw this more as a superhero show, and that's mm-hmm. actually my biggest pro for the show. The world building, the amount of time they spend on it, mm-hmm. it seemed like they're building it to that be something. That they're going something... to set up a franchise. Yeah, is it supposed to be eight episodes? Uh, somewhere close to that, yes. Okay, yeah, so I think I think that... it's even like seven, possibly, yeah. So I think that this has the potential to be something great, however, I just don't think that's there yet. And if they are really going to stick with this thing, if my prediction was right about the parents being evil, mm. uh, because that's what it made it seem like, then I feel like this show is just going to be too ridiculous at some point. All right. Any more pros and cons before I get into the other reviews? I'm just going to give my score six out of 10. I feel like it was somewhat long. The story is a little messy, but there's still enough humor, heart, and good performances to make it a passing grade. Okay. Um, well, the other reason I wanted to compare it to be... Actually, do you recognize where the main character is from? Because I don't know if you've ever seen him before. No. But you did. You think he did a good job? Yes, yeah. No. Okay, so his main claim to fame is Moonlight. Mm-hmm. And then he was also in When They See Us a few years later. He was also one of the voices in Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. When They See Us. So, yeah, Brett Gray, because Brett Gray was in that show as well. Absolutely. Yes, he was. He was also in Merce- Mr. Mercedes. Uh, Jarrell Jerome, it seems like he can pick whatever project he wants now. He's only 25 years old, but he even said in an interview that, like, uh, five years ago he would have done anything, but now he can be picky. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, so he really has broken into the mainstream. Then. Yes, in I fact, never... he was, like, the one chosen for the role. They, I think Boots Riley sent him an email and was like, 13-foot black man in Oakland and that's how he like put as the <laughs> subject to get him interested and that's how he signed on the other person that was responsible for the creation of the show besides Boots Riley was the CEO of Media Res Production I don't even have his name here but this is like the first project that Media Res has done with Amazon up until now it's mostly been Apple but they've also done scenes from a marriage with HBO the morning show extrapolations Pachenko so they've they've done big good shows yeah. before and this is it's just interesting that um, and Boots Riley made this point in several interviews, uh, and so did like some of the um, the reviewers, the critics. They pointed out how he is on a billionaire's. He's making fun of billionaires on a billionaire's platform. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's get into the other reviews. It has a six point four on IMDb, but that's where the bad stuff stops because it's got universal acclaim everywhere else. Wait, it has a, it has a six point four, which is definitely not a great score. But you're saying it has universal universal. Acclaim? Remember when I compared it to beef? You can also compare it to beef for this reason because. Uh, 86 on Metacritic, which translates to almost everywhere that comes out with a written review, has it glowing. Rolling Stone says they love the story. The acting Guardian gave it five stars. It's called a different, clever New York Times, said it was not subtle, but art. AV Club said it was audaciously strange. The concept was right on the nose. Uh, Entertainment Weekly gave it an A-, Wall Street Journal, CNN, IGN, all positive. IGN gave it a 9 out of 10. Roger Ebert, 3.5 out of 5. The Daily Beast called it messy in a good way. IndieWire gave it a B+. If you're getting what I'm saying, every place <laughs> reviewed this thing. Decider said stream it. Time and Variety both made that point about the billionaires that I just said. Hollywood Reporter said that it had heart. And finally, The Telegraph is the only one who had sort of a meh review. And uh, and it was still like a 60 out of 100, according to Metacritic. Now, it's interesting, too, because those ratings are very similar to Sorry to Bother You, which, again, this show has a 6.4, but Sorry to Bother You on IMDb has a 6.9. 
both have a 93 on Rotten Tomatoes uh, critic score. On their audience score, their perspective, uh, 79% compared to 70%. And their Metacritic score are 86 compared to 80. So they're like almost exactly the same. And it's just funny because it has to do with how Boots Riley presents his movies and direction and, you know. I just, I felt like there was problems with the show that I'm surprised people, like, it's people looked so over? much. Yeah, because, like, Cootie, for example, his character thoughts are sometimes so, they're, they're so constant and lazily ran because they're just said by him. Mm-hmm. And I understand that he's not very, they, Again, like, it's on the nose, like, some of these things yeah, pointed out. But, but, yeah, I feel I like at some did. point it can be too on the nose. Yeah. You know I mean? Oh, no, 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 absolutely. And uh, you, you still passed it with a 6 out of yeah. 10. But um, are you going to watch any more of it? Uh, I mean, with the with, with the, the rest review, of the movies, the, reviews, the way they are, I might have to. And I did find it kind of funny because Boots Riley is actually an Aries, so he's not even, <laughs> so he's a, Virgo. Not even a Virgo. <laughs> so I I don't know why. I, did. I think Virgo, if if I looked at the zodiac thing correctly, it means like adventurous. Well, or there something. has to be. I think Virgo has. Some I honestly type don't of... think there is a reason other than just to kind of play with your idea of I mean, like what the show should be about. Also, I'm an Aries. What doesn't sound as good as like I'm a Virgo. Yeah, but yeah. he definitely instilled elements of himself into both this, this character and also Walton Goggins' character. I'm not surprised. It also seemed like at points with Cootie's kind of obsession with comic books, mm-hmm. it reminded me a lot of Unbreakable, uh, Samuel L. Jackson's character sure. in that because of how much he liked comic books as well. It seems like nowadays, whenever we get any type of thing, any type of superhero show, they always have to introduce comic books. Like, Logan even had the X-Men comic books in their movie. And drifting away from the superhero element of it, um, Woke, that series... I remember they had a bunch of really surreal stuff happening. That was it. way more surreal, though, because like more it, surreal because it was based off a cartoonist life, but it was also race related. But I, I'm just trash trash of... cans, and if I I remember correctly, just inanimate so if a objects. trash can started talking or an inanimate object started talking in this show, it wouldn't fit. I don't think so because at least with woke, they they had eyes and they had mouths, and that felt like it was the whole point of woke. Here, it seems like it actually has a story to it, and I just feel like if they were to include that, it well, would woke be... had a story. It was just that you're saying that this is like it's supposed to be unrealistic because of the superhero powers and also his height but other than that everything else should be consistent yeah and the speed of which she can uh, uh, put food to, into a plastic bag i'm sure that flora that must be she her has power. power she has like a flash thing because it would be such an because uh, especially the way we see it i did not get that it was cootie's perspective it just feels like with. they must be paying her more than a regular fast food wage though well that was what was making me think maybe these superheroes are kind of common in the same way that they are in the boys where it's like people aren't going to be as surprised to see them in real also, life. also she can bag it as fast as she wants but like that burger's still gonna take just as long to cook i'm just pointing <laughs> that out all right thanks for listening we'll see you on the next episode hope you enjoyed this one bye bye